Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell. How is everyone doing? The new year is upon us. We can finally kiss 2020 goodbye. A year that we probably will never ever forget and we shouldn't forget. But before we kiss it goodbye, I certainly hope that we will take all the lessons that we learned, all the opportunities and all the areas for growth and improvement. I hope we would have learned something that we will take into 2021. I'm a firm believer that, you know, even in the most unprecedented times and adverse situations and circumstances, there's always something to learn and take away from the situation. So again, I I launched this podcast in 2020 of all the years, and I'm just so grateful that I actually decided to do it. And I thank each and every one of you, members of my tribe, my community, my supporters who not only listen every single week, but you give me feedback and you keep me encouraged and energized every single week. I could not have done this without you guys. And I just wanted to say thank you as usual. You know, thank you for the feedback. Uh, The feedback this week comes via Malkia Brown on LinkedIn. And she said, Dr. Terry Carell-Reed, thank you for this podcast. About a week ago, I stumbled upon a video of you giving a speech and I was instantly moved. As a young professional, things get cloudy more often than we'd want. This morning, I realized you had a podcast and it is truly a blessing. I needed to hear these conversations. People, if you are feeling defeated, take 30 minutes to listen to even the introduction. I'm on the second episode and I feel energized and hopeful already. She says, thank you, doctor. Keep your head on your shoulders. Visualize your goal and keep moving forward, which she's taken from Dr. Stevens Bonham, who was our very first guest. And speaking of guests, you know, who who would I interview to close out 2020? I really could not have thought of a better person. And she is Professor Tanya Hay, Jamaican, who is living in Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. And um, after failing repeatedly, and we're not talking about once or twice, but thrice in the Faculty of Natural Sciences at the University of the West Indies, you would figure that she would have labeled herself a loser and just given up on life in general. But instead, and you will see how bubbly her personality is, Tanya gave up her unexamined dream of becoming a doctor, which was really her father's dream for her and embraced her true calling as an educator. So here it is, years down the road, she commits to teaching for only one year and that one year has led to 31 years. She is a firecracker with an amazing story of not giving up on oneself. You are going to want to stick and stay. Welcome again. Redirection with Terry Carell starts now, partnered with Toyota Jamaica. to get the most out of every minute and every mile of your life. 
That's why Toyota is the brand most Jamaicans drive for life. Reliable, affordable, and durable. Everything you want from a vehicle, Toyota delivers. Enjoy your life's journey with a Toyota. Toyota Jamaica. Let's go places. Hi, Professor Tanya. Welcome to the show. Hi, Terry Kara. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, this is, has been a conversation that we were supposed to have like three million years now, and I'm finally <laughs> happy I've gotten you in the redirection seat with me, um, celebrating our Jamaicans that are here locally, as well as um, those who are abroad, which is, which is why it's so good to have you. Tell my listeners which part of the world... So I'm wow. in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, go, oh, go. How are you managing? Um, <laughs> you know, summers are really nice. Um, fortunately, when we moved here, we heard that this was the warmest spot in Canada. In quotation marks, yeah. In, yeah, in so marks. I thought warm really meant warm, but I learned that warm means relative to the other places. Just a little bit, a tops warmer than. It's warmer than, and there's less snow, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of rain. So if you don't like the darkness, it's mm -hmm. always dark. So I always have light on, but it, um, it rains two thirds of the year. There is rain, but it's not heavy. It's, it's not heavy. It's just constant. It's just a constant drip. Yeah. Really. No, well, listen, let me tell so, you something. I wish my listeners could see you because you're fab. Like, let me tell you, you, you know, when you turn on a Zoom meeting and people feel like because it's like a Zoom meeting or an online meeting, them just for show up anyhow. When her video came on, guys, the woman is fab. I tell her she look like she smell good through the screen. That's how fabulous. <laughs> Thank you, Terry Carell. So, Prof, um... What's funny is how I found you, which is which is always a story within itself. Um, yes. I, some of the guests I've known personally, some they stumble, I stumble upon a page or I, or someone has said, hey, I think you should contact this person. And this is the case where Stacey and Hales tagged me in one of your posts on Instagram. And she said, TK, I think she'd be a great interviewee. And I watched your Instagram post and then I went across to YouTube to stalk you a little bit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. If there's anyone who can speak about redirection and bouncing back from what could be considered, you know, failure, just you've tried so many times, I said it would be you. And so thank you again for being here. Um, and let me open it up, open it up. Which part of Jamaica are you from? Well, I was born... Not all. Mm -hmm. And I lived in, well, I grew up in what we call Forest Hills, um, Circle Valley. Yes. So Red Hills, really. Red Hills. Mm -hmm. And um, we, when we got married, we lived in 
Hope Pastures, then we lived in Ailsham, and then our where we left when we left Jamaica, we were living in Stony Hills on Innswood Drive. Nice. And how long ago did you move? Did you leave Jamaica? I left Jamaica 20 years ago. Woo! Spent one year in the Virgin Island and then moved on to, to Canada. So oh. we left Jamaica 20 years ago. How often do you come home? Do you get a chance? Every year. Every, every year. year. Every year. All right. All right. I must say, though, uh, my father died in November 91, 90, I'm sorry, 2019. Oh, so it's been a year since, I guess because of COVID, I haven't been home. But um, the plan is always, because we have a place there, so plan is to always return but i guess i have to wait for covid now right my but, condolences uh, on behalf of my my community you know um thank you um losing a loved one is is rough and even yeah. you know as we come to a close for 2020 uh and we just celebrated christmas a couple of days ago right and i looked around my family and i said my god i give you thanks yeah. you know no matter what i did get a gift tangible gift a home card a letter when i looked around Everyone was accounted for, mm, Prof. Everyone was accounted for from the from my eight to nine year old grandma coming all the way down. Wow. It, 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 it really, I got I get goosebumps talking about it because um people lost their loved ones yeah. um, before Corona naturally, but even in 2020 it was just a lot more amplified for yes. some strange yes. reason. Yes, and so condolences. felt more lonely. You know, you felt the isolation more. So. Loss plus isolation hurts more, I it think. Hurts more. Yeah, man. Condolences. So let's talk about... Professor- so before you go, I just wanted to say thanks to Stacey because Stacey was the one who did my blog. She, oh, nice. she Yes. So I have this blog called Tiny Steels and I haven't been doing a lot, but Stacey has been really supportive and yes. even every nonsense question that I've had, I've always asked her and she's always answered. So... She didn't tell me about this. She tagged you and then, so I'm glad she did anyway. Oh, absolutely. But- no, you know, I know, I know Stacey uh, personally as well. And I'll be very honest with you. My, I, I trust my community. They've been extremely supportive and they have a good eye. I think okay. they have a very good idea of what, who I am and what I love and what appeals to me. And so they are my feeders a lot of the time and I trust oh, their judgment. Yes. So when she tagged me, I said, yeah, man, let me, let me talk to, let me talk to this professor. <laughs> And find out what's going on. So, so officially, so you told me, okay, you came from Red Hills. Um, talk to me about growing up and and family. Well, you know, was it a single parent? Was it the, the you know the typical mom and dad? And do you even have siblings? Talk to me about that. Right. So I grew up in a family of four: mother, father, sister. My sister actually is in Jamaica still. She mm-hmm. works at the Observer, Sharon oh, Leach. Big up, Sharon. And do you know that? Yes. Okay. And um, I'm the younger, the younger one. Nice. So talk to me about your aspirations. It's something I ask. It's, it's always my first question, usually for all my guests. You are now uh, a professor. You know, that that is your profession. Um, is this what you always wanted to do? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, which is, which is, which is never the shocker. <laughs> so my parents were strict, really strict. Um, my father initially was a brethren and then they went into the charismatic movement and more fundamental kind of thing. And they were really, really strict. And for them, 
their daughter had to be a doctor because my sister from early was writing stories. So from she was eight, she had written her first book, her little wow. book. And they thought, okay, well, she's doing the arts. You have to do the sciences. Now, they were not doctors. People always say, were your parents doctors? No, they were not. They were very simple people from the country yes. who did well for themselves. My father had a business, Ebenezer Auto Supplies. He's had mm -hmm. that, I don't know, 40 years. I don't know. But he's always been in car parts. And he wanted a doctor. Because I think many Jamaican parents want their children to be doctors. Oh yeah, and especially especially um you know back in the day where those were just the reputable um professions, you know, and and, and I and I even give them credit for them to even at least say, well, your daughter is already in the arts. There's some parents who do not or did not recognize the arts as an mm -hmm. actual um, profession. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So they looked at you um and said, all right, so you're clearly going to be the doctor. Yeah, because you see, I was supposed to be the bright one. I was the one who played the violin. I was the one who was in spelling B. I was the one who did the smart thing. So I was right. supposed to be a doctor. And then I had a cousin or I have a cousin who is a doctor now. So I guess maybe between my father and his sister, there was, well, she's going to be a doctor. You have to be a doctor too. So it, there was never any discussion about me doing anything else. And I always said I wanted to be a psychiatrist because I was never interested in medicine, but I was always interested in helping people to right. achieve. And I always thought I would work with people to help them to heal from their past wounds and move on. Right. So I did that idea of being a psychiatrist. You know, I really didn't mind that. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? A lot of the guests who I've had the opportunity of speaking to, they've all said the same thing, that a lot of them grew in families, whether a single parent or not, where they were pushed to do, to do medicine. Yeah. And so here it is, you never really had a discussion of what would you like to do? What do you want to become? It was more of a, well, this is what you're going to do. So naturally yeah. they start setting you up for the sciences. So yes. through school you know you go from prep or primary school and you're now moving into high school where you're gonna eventually narrow down your um, yeah. subjects and tell me what that was like okay so um so in so in prep school i went to vast prep and i always came second to denise saunders thank you denise right <laughs> so i was supposed to always be bright and you know what i i i one year they moved Denise out of my class. I don't know if my parents had a discussion with them, but the one year Denise went to another class, I finally got first place. Thanks, Denise. So Thank you for moving. Were... Thank you, Denise. And she was my best friend. That was a weird thing about it. She was my best friend. But my parents had always zeroed in on, this is a bright one. She's going to do things for us. She's going to make us feel like, you know, so I guess. So when I went into high school, Sciences was just supposed to be it for me. And I, I went to St. Hughes. And after third form, you had to choose your subjects. And naturally, I chose the sciences. I really had never considered the arts, even though I did better naturally at language, literature, history, and those things. Right. And when I did exceed, that's what I got the ones in. And chemistry was a B, physics, math, those things were the Cs. But... I was, I obviously wasn't trying hard enough. I just needed to work a little bit harder. 
So in high school, I did the sciences. Right. I was, so we had um, te- the, in Jamaica, well, we used to call it teaching groups. So I was in teaching group one, mm-hmm. which was the science. Right. And I had enough, I did well enough to go to lower six where I was doing ad math. Oh God, it's still and the science. Jesus. And oh my God, that's when I was struggling. And I had this brilliant idea that Natsai would be easier than upper six. So when my parents heard the plan for me to go to Natsai a year early, they felt. And this was Natsai at UWE. This is for the at, at UWE. Yes. Study in UWE. N1. is like your N1. It's like a preliminary. Yes. Or a female exactly. system into med school or something into like medicine, that. medicine, right. Because everybody, most people were trying to get into medicine and they were delighted that I wanted to go to university a year early. So they thought, hmm. So that of course, make you younger work. and smarter. You'd be smarter oh, yes, graduating smart. early. And I struggled and I struggled. And you know, it was interesting when I was at Nats, in Natsai, there was a guy there who, um, I'm not going to call his name, but we always heard mm-hmm. that he had failed, dropped out, and didn't know how to tell his parents. So he would come every day, and we used to, used to sit outside by this pine outside of the library, mm-hmm. and he was always entertaining, and we always said, when is he ever going to tell his parents that he failed? Because that was normal in Natsai, you know. You failed. If you kept failing, they asked you to leave, to sit out for a year, I guess, you know, to figure yourself out. Right. I actually knew of one person who left for the year, redid A-levels, came back, went straight into medicine. But that's not the usual story. Most people fail and they don't do it anymore because they realize that's not for them. But I kept trying because, you know, I didn't have, I mean, I love my parents, but I just couldn't go to them and say, this is not for me. Not working for me. And they thought I was so smart that they didn't really ask at the end of each year, they didn't really ask how I had done. Well, they assumed Yeah. So it was up to me to manage myself and um, I had a very overprotective father. So he drove myself and my sister to UAE every day. And every day he dropped us off by the undercroft. Right. And I would walk to Natsai, she would walk to Arts. And we just kept doing that. And he never, they, they didn't really ask what I was doing or how I was doing. So at the end of the first year in N1, yes. I failed everything. When you say everything, but, when you say everything. As in, the only thing I passed was use of English, the use of English course, which was English, right? Wow. But I failed. And how did that make you feel? Especially you're coming from, even though you said you started to struggle a little bit with some of the subjects in high school, you still have had a reputation of being one of the bright kids. And for a lot of students who are accustomed to having good grades, you know, good enough grades and you are performers, when you get both, because that's really what it is, it's a reality check, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a blow to your yeah. ego. For a lot of students, they don't bounce back very quickly. Some actually have to go and see therapists. You know, it, it, it's rough. How were you able to process that failure? And on top of it, not meeting the expectations of your parents who are like doctor or nothing. 
you know, I don't know how I processed it. I probably didn't then. I was embarrassed, of course. Mm. And I tried to always cover it with humor. So, you know, when people said, so what are you doing now? To well, you know how it is. I failed again. <laughs> so I made, it was always something I tried to, <laughs> because nobody could talk about their feelings, right? And everybody was passing. The people around me were succeeding. They were getting into medicine, getting into biochemistry. They were doing great things. And I, so I just thought, well, it's my first year. I was too social because I really was social, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought, well, I just need to try a little bit harder. Oh, God, settle down. So just, just settle down and do a little bit better. So even though I had failed everything, in that side, you were allowed to do it again. So when I did, when I repeated N1, I finally passed one. Whoa. And that's one of the core subjects, not like your English, but like one of your core subjects. One of the core subjects. And I think it must have been the chemistry because chemistry was something that I had a grip on. Chemistry was OK. But um, zoology, <laughs> dissecting the rat. When I wasn't half fainting, I was holding my stomach and it was like, I can't dissect the rat. You know, I was out of just do this part while the instructor isn't looking, just, just help me right here. I just, I, I know I'll do it better. Just, you just do this part for me. So I got by with a lot of help. I was had, always had good friends, you know, people always helped me out. Did and you I, realize that you failed the first year and that you were actually repeating or did they just kind of leave you and you just said, hey, you know, I'm going through the different motions. I guess you must have realized, but there was never a discussion about it because it was normal enough. Everybody knew that side wasn't easy. So, <laughs> you know, so by the second year, though, my friends started to really move out because they were now getting into programs that they really wanted to do. And I was lonely by then because by the end of the second year, the people who I started out with were no longer in N1 or N2. No, they're two years out now. They're, they're, they they're are establishing. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in N1 and somewhere in N2, that was easy. And then when I repeated N1 and then finally passed one and I moved up to N2, one, N2, and still the others were N1, they had gone on. So... I was just drifting at this point now because I am a social person. So it was harder, even harder to focus because I had no friends. I had no friends in classes with me. Right. But I, did you talk about it though? There was never a discussion really. It was, you know, and I don't think they thought this is not for Tanya. I think they thought that I was just too social and mm. you just have to buckle down and work a little bit harder. And I was trying to work harder. And let me ask but, you this, because you mentioned about, you know, feeling alone and there's usually an embarrassment. Like I remember in high school, whenever you caught up somebody who was a year ahead of you, it, you know, there was always these hush remarks, you know, this, oh, they must be stupid, <laughs> you know, or, you know, how could you, you know, repeat, you know, there, there's a stigma attached to students who repeat, especially when you're young, you know, you don't realize that, you know, some students learn differently, that, you know, they're, they're people who have strength yes, in some yes, subjects and yes. not others. So here it is, you become a face or a person who 
try one time and you fail and people were like, all right, we're going ahead. But people go, okay, well, it's not signed, it's hard. But then you go the second time. And you only pass, you only pass one subject. At one point, at what point in time did you say, boy, people must look at me like my dunce and I need for like hide my face? Did that ever occur to you? No, no. Strangely enough. You see, I was always under the impression that I was bright. And it still hadn't occurred to me that I was in the wrong field. I just, I don't know. I, no, I didn't think I was not smart. I, I was beginning to think maybe it was in medicine, mm. but because I figured if I couldn't do zoology, then maybe maybe there was a problem. But I figured I would just finish NatSci and not get into medicine. Right. So... And we had a year-long system then. It wasn't like semester where at the end of it, you could have a come home to Jesus, talk with yourself. So I was going on each year and being very disappointed at the end, very disappointed and embarrassed. And I just realized, well, since I did the video, I I sent it to friends who knew me then. Yes. And many of them said, you started in that side? Because they thought I was always an art student. Oh, wow. Because by the time I had, right. So when I met some, like, um, I have a few friends that I probably met towards the end. They weren't on campus with me. They were friends outside. And maybe I met them when I was, when I had already transferred from that. And I just never told them. So there are some people who have just heard since the video that I started in that side. They were like, you were in that side? That's crazy. So it was something. And I think I must have really been embarrassed because before I did the video, I really thought about it a little bit. And I thought, yes. okay, so people are going to learn something about me that some people don't know. Right. And then my students are now going to know that I failed. Well, this is this is what I thought was, was pretty interesting. The fact that um, your journey has you know, you become a professor when your, your, your story of being in, in Natsai and trying and failing and trying again and failing. And, you know, I think you, you did you try three times? Was it three times or two times? It was three years. It three, was years. three years. So I did Natsai. So I ended up being on campus for five years in all. The first three were in Natsai. And because I had already done use of English and I think it was DevOps, de- Development of Civilization. Yes. In those t- that time, I had to do 14 courses. I had done two already in that side, the compulsory, the use of English and the history. So I was left with 12 and I did the 12 in two years. I was just in a hurry to leave because I had spent enough time. So some people, people who started with me probably realized that I was there for a while. A while, yes. <laughs> A while, but those who only met me in that um, after Natsai didn't know, and I think I buried it. It wasn't. I don't think I actually said I'm not going to tell people at that point, but it was. It was no longer a part of me, I guess, right. because like I said, my student said she was talking about failure, and I was listening to her talk about not knowing how to tell her parents that she had failed. Mm. And she said that there were many 
friends that she had who also had failed and didn't know how to tell their parents. And in my mind, I thought, okay, we all fail. And, you know, I failed too. And I thought, well, let me talk about failure. So it was my public speaking class. And I wanted to show them how to do a speech. So I said, okay, well, let me do one on failure. And after I agreed to doing it, I sat and I thought, okay, so people are going to know that I, I wasn't just born as right. Professor Tanya speaks. But right, but had challenges. But, yeah. then, but then it's interesting because you're now speaking to your students who are, you know, fearful. Oh my gosh, how do I tell my parents, especially when my parents have more expectations for mm. me in a particular industry and career than I do. Did you ever tell your parents? How did you, did that discussion ever come up about, hey, you know, I tried not say, it never worked out. And now I think I have a completely different path that I'd like to take. Okay, I need to tell you about that conversation, okay? So remember I told you that um, my father would drop us at UWE by the undercroft and we would walk to Natsai and Your Arts. would go to Arts. Mm -hmm. Right, so he continued dropping us there. So this is after I now had transferred into Arts. And you never did. And I would just wait for the car to disappear. I'm so embarrassed to say that. So I would wait and he would drive off and I would pretend to be walking to that sand. And once the car was out of sight, I would double back and go over to arts. And I did this for about once, about a few months. And then I finally said, I finally told them and it was not a very positive conversation. And my father, I still remember the words and I do forgive him, but he said, you want to do arts foolishness? Oh, wow. Had a daughter already doing arts foolishness, I guess, in his mind. Arts foolishness? And that was a conversation. Wow. I said, well, I'm going to get a degree. He said, okay. And that was the end of it. What about mommy? Because we know how daddy, we, we know daddy. We know exactly how daddy feel about this. What yeah. role did mommy, she, mommy play? She was silent. Just really silent. Because what he said was law. So... Yeah, she didn't have an opinion really. So I never, never knew. She never said anything. Wow. But I really wanted to make them proud. I felt, I felt that they had done a lot, and they had really wanted me to be a star, a big deal. Yes, and I kind of felt that I hadn't performed mm -hmm. up to their expectations. You know. I didn't, I was the second person in the spelling bee, not the spelling bee champion. Wow. I was, I did the violin until I said I couldn't do it anymore. I did the piano until I said I didn't want to do it anymore. So I kind of had a history in my mind of letting them down. Yeah, not completing the task at hand. Yes. So I, when he said that, I accepted it and I was hurt. But I thought he had every right to say that because he had great expectations and I was not living, living up to them. Expectations. Let me ask so, you this. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Uh, and it's something that quite a lot of students uh, and persons who have had the, you know, the opportunity to speak to have said that there are parents who have said, listen, if, if that's not what you're studying, I'm not paying for your tuition. If no, well, not no, your, we're not. But it sounds as if they still said, hey, we think it's foolishness. Yeah. But we're still going to 
making sure that you get Probably that education. Than nothing. At least you're gonna get a degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my father had a business in his mind. Well, if you're gonna do that, you may as well come into the business after. Mm. So, mm. Come and come and you know come and sell spare parts and yeah, at least that would be you know. <laughs> so we never had. Well, I didn't have teaching in mind either. I was just trying to get a degree. Right. And, and while I was doing it, I was noticing how easy those things were. And I did a, I did introduction to theater techniques. Right. And when I did theater, you know, I thought, oh my God, I love theater. Mm-hmm. I love acting. I love being on stage. So I thought, okay, I will be a public relations director not officer i wanted to be the director so i had a in my mind maybe like a five-year plan you know mm-hmm. i would be a public relations person and i would get to the top of the my field and my parents would be proud right so i went to the interview on campus because they used to have job fairs and they'd have yes. all these tents set up on the lawn yes and i went to the public relations Officer, because I would, I had to start as an officer, right? I had to start so I went somewhere. to that, somewhere. So I went to the interview, and I only chose that interview because when you're 21, you're that smart, right? Of course. Because I didn't even consider anything else, and I didn't even have two or three options. That was the only interview I signed up for because I was going to get that job. I was going to make my parents finally feel proud mm-hmm. and when i went to the interview the first question was are you willing to relocate he said thank you for coming you know let me let's get this out of the way first um as you saw in the ad we need someone who is willing to move, move to Mobe. are you ready to relocate mm-hmm. and i said um um relocate um I hadn't read it. I only saw public relations and I thought, and that was the end of the You never read, you never read the entire thing. I did not because I was going to be a public relations director and this was going to be the avenue. So I I say it was the shortest interview because that's all he asked. You know, and and as I said, I my I was dating my husband then. Yes. And I wasn't going to do the long distance thing because it wasn't firm enough for me to feel I could go and I would still be in his mind, you know, and I hadn't read that. I really had not read that. So, so basically you told the person, thank you for your time and you peaced out of the joint. Yes. Then what? After, I would say three minutes. It was no more than three minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's running through your mind now? You know, you still having this desire to pursue what you want to pursue and make your parents proud. I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to tell them that once again, I don't even have a job in mind. I have nothing else. I don't had no sense of direction. And I'm feeling like a loser at this point, you know, because I'm thinking... This is it. So as I was walking away, and I'm telling you, Terry Carell, I keep going back to that day because as I was walking away from the tent, I heard Miss Leach, Miss Leach. I'll never forget it. And that was Miss Morrison, my grade seven English teacher from St. Hugh. She was then 
vice principal and she and the principal, Marcia Stewart, yes. were there recruiting. And by the way, I just want to say big up to all of the, the St. Hughes massive, the swans. My mother went to St. Hughes, so we just want big up. Are you serious? Yeah, man, yeah, man. Donna Marie Scott, big up yourself and all the swans out there. Um, funny enough, my last one of my last interviews was also a swan who just graduated uh, from law school and she had oh, a tremendous story. So so here it is. You hear Miss Leach and you realize it's one of your it's your English teacher from from high school. And what happened? Yes. And she was recruiting. She was recruiting. And I must tell you that she had made such an impact on me that when I heard her voice, and I had her in grade seven, and I think maybe again in grade nine. Yes. But there was much contact with her, and certainly not for the five years right. that I was at UA. And when I heard that voice, I remember thinking, what's Miss Morrison doing here? When I turned around and it was her, we did the little hug thing. And, and then she asked, what is I doing, blah, blah, blah. And she said, I'm looking for old girls to come back and teach at St. Hughes. Did you go like, why are you telling me that for like? And I'm thinking, okay, you are, really? Okay. And she said, would you consider teaching history? Now that was the first snag. She asked me to teach history. Yes. I said, history? She said, yes, we have an opening for history in the first year and English in the second year. I said, well, if you had said English, I guess. She said, well, you can do that in the second year. I said, well, um, no. Mm. She said, can you commit to two years? I said, no, but I can commit to one year yes. because I didn't have a job. So the plan was to do history for one year. And I went into the classroom and I can only say I fell in love. No I had way. a remarkable time. No way. Hold on a second here. Draw break. Really, that's that. Pull up. There's pull nothing up. else. What you're saying, no, pull up, as we just said, pull up. Listen, you're pull saying, up. <laughs> you went for the job that you wanted. As far as you're concerned, you're going to be the public relations director. And the man said, relocate. You say, relocate. What? Thank yes. you cut, sir, and you cut. And you are telling me in that moment, yes. that became your redirection? That was it. I look back and I sometimes say, there was obviously a plan for me and I did not know. God. Because what are the chances? You know, I had to write Miss Morrison because I knew that's what happened. And I guess, it, you know, when something has become such a part of you that you no longer think about it. Mm -hmm. And when I did the video, I had to, well, it started out where I'm in a, I'm in a group of, of old girls from St. Hughes and one said, did Miss Morrison ever hear this story? I said, I don't know. I think she did because I'm sure I would have told her. And that person sent the video to her and she contacted me. And since then we've been communicating. You, you and know I had said, to write so, her. Right, no, you know what you said, that, 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 that is very simple but profound is that for a lot of us when we're in the moment and a lot of the times we're desperate or we're trying to get just trying to get to the next yes. point. We're just trying to survive for Christ's sake. We're not even thinking about thriving. We just want to survive. Yeah. When these micro moments happen, we're just so happy and grateful. We just slip right into the role. But it takes years sometimes of looking back that we realize yes. that those micro yes. moments help to yes. define who we are and their people who are strategically placed. I always exactly. say divinely placed along the journey. Yeah. 
that I agree. Said, this is the path you should be. So yes. here she, is, she said, we're just looking for some old girls. And you're like, this is not, this is not public relations. This is not theater. No. This is not theater. This is not an important job. I kept thinking, this is not an important job. Like, who's going to see me on stage here? Just teaching girls history, really? So that was just not important enough. I just and it thought, wasn't even the subject you love. It wasn't English. It was the subject that was meh. Ah, all right, let me do a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was in my degree. And yeah, I could do it. I guess I could read it. I could always be a chapter ahead of the students, but uh, not really. But Wow. So talk to me. You step into the classroom with your mindset on this one year. You're going to get in, make some money, do as good a job as possible. Get in, get out. Get out. Mm-hmm. Walk me through processing this, this new calling that you did not know at the time. This was clearly oh. what it was. This was your purpose. So I went into the classroom, like I said, and I had a grade 10 class mm-hmm. where I taught history. And I still... I don't remember all of their names, but I still remember their faces. Matter of fact, about three years ago, I was in Jamaica in this small and halfway tree. It's it's at the bottom. It's it's not a big one. Yes, 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 that one. Halfway tree mall in it, half a big clock plaza. (laughs) I was looking for hair products and I just heard again, Miss Leach, is that you? And I looked around and I saw one of the girls from my grade 10 class. I was near tears. I said to her, how are you? I said, and we were going, I said, and how is Alice? And how is, so and so. And, and, how is and yes. And it was so good to see her. And I was a little saddened by what I saw though, because she yes. had really, life had not been good to her. Yes. But I still remember that class. So when I went there and I was, teaching them. I found though, that apart from teaching history, they knew that I was an old girl and became the amateur guidance counselor. So it was, Miss Leach, what you do do about this? And Miss Leach, what you think about this? And the thing, and I'll never forget, I had a student whose father was molesting her. And when he died, she came to me in tears. And I remember thinking, I need more training. I, I can't do this anymore. Et right. It was a lot. It was a lot. But I loved, I really loved those girls. And I liked talking about life. Mm-hmm. And I liked talking about how to empower yourself. I used to say, tell them, you have to get your education. You have to find a way so that you don't need to depend right. on your father. Depending on this boyfriend, and I had another one who got pregnant, and so it was. But I fell in love with them, and I fell in love with teaching, and then I thought this is something I could really do. So I went back to Miss Morrison before the end of the first term, and I said I need to do the dip ed because you had to the postgrad diploma in education. Yes, would have to give me leave, and I wanted them, so I wanted to apply. So I told her first, and she said how about just finishing the first year first and seeing if you still feel the same Mm -hmm. end of the first year. And at the end of the first year, I went back to her and said, I still feel the same. She said, okay, 
well, let's do the paperwork. So after two years, I went back to UA to do the um, DPED. Wow. So, and, so you made a 360, I mean, in terms of you went right back to the same institution that at first you thought medicine was definitely going to be it. Transferred yes. into the arts, thinking, all yes. right, I, I now have a better understanding and an idea of what I want, only to realize that your real calling was in the education, um, education in the education yes. uh, sector. So now you're back at UE. And how yes. was how was it this time around as a student of something that you loved and you knew you loved? It was better. It was definitely better because I had um, a natural affinity, which I didn't realize before, to education. So I gobbled up everything mm -hmm. and learning became a joy yes. because I was learning about things. Having done two years in the classroom, a lot of what I was doing at UWE made sense then, you know, like the theory of learning and Vygotsky's zone of proximal development and Ozabel right. learning. It made sense. So I could relate to what I was learning. Very cool. And I was excited about learning. And this time, so, and this time you're still dating your husband now. You're no. You're no, matter of fact, I was married, and I think when I was doing the diped, I was pregnant by I was pregnant. I was married. Okay, so I started teaching in 89. Yes. I got married in 90. I did the dip ed, I believe, in okay, so my my son is 28. Okay. He was born in 92. So 91 to 92. So the second part, oh, the, towards the end, not towards the ending, but he's born in December. So I got pregnant in about March. So <laughs> I was at least, I was at least more than halfway into the dip ed when I got pregnant. Yes. So I was pregnant by the time I, I was showing by the time I had finished the dip ed. So much so that I didn't go to graduate. My husband was actually doing an MBA on campus. You know, they had just introduced oh, wow. the, the MBA program. I went to his graduation, which was my graduation too, but I didn't want to be on stage looking at all. With a belly, with a <laughs> 60 pounds heavy. So I actually went to, so we would have been in the same graduation ceremony, but I went and watched him graduate and I was like, I'm not going on stage because nobody oh, so, is going to see me looking like this and so, I'm gone. So, Professor so I didn't attend my graduation. <laughs> so, so Professor Tanya, it is uh, needless to say, we're happy that you didn't take that job about relocation because maybe your entire trajectory would have um would have been different. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. So you go and you do yeah. the diped. I'm sure. For sure. You went and you did the diped, and now you come out saying I did the diped. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready to go back to St. Hughes? Are you is your scope now? wider where you realize hey now i can go to different schools or maybe even across the world you know where 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 are you now mentally now that you are one step closer to what you want to do for yourself so i went back to saint hughes mm -hmm. 
And I must say, you have to go back for two years because you are bound. Once you get, you know, you have to go back. I went back and um, I felt that I wanted, I felt that, here's the thing. I'm not a really great disciplinarian, right? And you really have to be to teach girls, right? So I thought that I was too much of a friend to them really. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I was the most effective teacher. And I thought they weren't that interested in English. They were very interested in my life. And I wanted to do a little bit more. Nice. So I hadn't yet worked out where I would go next, mm-hmm. but I knew, but I think at that point, no, I went back to Yui, but I was, at UWE doing a master's now in education. Oh, wow. While teaching. Was that, I think I was doing both at the same, same time. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was enjoying doing the master's program. And the more I learned was the more I thought, I want to teach adults. Mm. So when I learned about adult learning and Malcolm knows and the theory of androgyny and teaching adults. I thought I want to teach adults, but as it had been with the rest of my life, I hadn't really made a plan yet. I hadn't made the plan. And I'm telling you, Terry Carroll, this is, so at this point, my son is about three and a half or four and he's doing swimming and I'm going to swimming. I'm taking him swimming after hours, yes. after school, I guess, after after St. Hughes. Mm-hmm. And I run into a woman, Carolyn Dyche. I don't believe this. I don't even want to guess where you're going with this story. Hold um, on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, here's what I've never told. Only my husband knows this part. I had this weird dream once because I saw her before and she was, she had her child also at swimming and I'd never met her, but I woke up one and I said to my husband, I dreamt that that woman gave me a job. You're kidding me. I know. I know. I know. No, you sure that's where Thomas you come from? You sure that's where Thomas Jamaica come from? I'm, I'm telling you. So here's the thing now. When you do publish this, I'm going to ask her to listen to it because she's never heard this part. So I saw her in this dream. So I kind of knew that she had the key. I'd never known her before. I never met her before. Didn't know anything about her. So I got to, I found a way to talk to her. So as I'm talking to her, I learn that she's teaching at UA, that she's not teaching at UA, she's the head of the department. So I tell her that I'm finishing up my master's and I've always wanted to do this and blah, 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 blah. blah. And she says, well, send me your resume when you're ready. No, no, I don't believe this. And I send her my resume. And, and you get the job. And I get the job. And this job was to do what? To work at UE teaching. So, so at UE, at in the use of English department, you had the course before use of English. I started out teaching UC010 as the fundamentals of English. 
So it's the it's the course that prepares you if your language isn't if it's weak. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's weak, yes, mm-hmm. yes. It was a course that nobody wanted to do, but believe me, we had tons of students. I I I spoke to her recently, and I got the impression that they're still it's still being offered. And I think it's still were, important because I, realistically, we have a lot of important. students passing through um, prep primary, going into high school, being pushed you know, levels and they're yep. being pushed out into, into out of high school and they, they are reading at grade three level. You understand? Wow. So I think those, those classes will always be important for students who really did not get a good command of the English language. So this woman at the swimming class gives you the job. Carolyn Dyche. That's how I started teaching at UAE. I gave her my resume. I sent it. Maybe I didn't send it to her, but I think I had to go through the formal process. Mm-hmm. And she did an interview with Dr. Thompson. I don't know if Dr. Thompson is even still alive because she was an older. She was one at the time. I think she had retired already and come back, you know. But she, I'll never forget. The two of them gave me that start, and she was. Carlin was an excellent boss and she's still a good friend and that's how I started teaching at you when I did the um video she she heard about this part she didn't hear about the dream part but she she was like oh I didn't realize I had played that role I said yes because that's how I started teaching there and let me go back to your and she was always let me go back to your parents okay because something that so no, they were making it feel proud. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Because no, I'm listening to you. My daughter's teaching at UA. Right, because I'm saying you took your steps, you went back to school. You know, I mean, in terms of as yeah. a teacher at high school, you get a little job, great, but you went back to school, you got the degree, and then you, you know, you, you have your family, you're married, you have your son, but then you go and you get your masters, and now you, you're what we would call a lecturer. You know, at Yes. UA, the most yes. prestigious um, yes. uh, institution in terms of you know education. So I'm like, uh, what is daddy saying now? He was proud. He was very pleased. He was happy to say, oh, my daughter is teaching at the university. <laughs> they were both quite pleased at this point. They were. They really, they really were. I was finally doing something that made them proud. Right, and you were completing. I was a high school teacher. Correct, just... and and you were com- you are now completing, which is something you know that I have to also highlight. You were able to say, you know, growing up, I would take up things and I would drop things, I'd take up things and I would drop things, or maybe it isn't that you you wouldn't have committed to it if you had really loved it, but they were just not things that really seemed to have appealed to you and kept you going, and now here it is, you knew exactly what you wanted, well, what you were. Don't let me tell you about completing. I have to tell you about this completing thing. Okay, so I had done all the coursework and I had le- the, the last thing left now was the thesis. Yes. So I had to do a practicum. I don't remember, I think I went to Holy Childhood or I think it was Holy Childhood, mm-hmm. did the practicum and my supervisor was away. And at this point, now I'm pregnant again with the second child and I couldn't wait for her to come back. So I did my thing. And when she came back, shout out to Dr. Beverly Bryan. She said, Tanya, you have to start over because you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You need to redo your fieldwork. What? 
And I was like, this was hard enough. I was pregnant. It wasn't the easiest pregnancy. And I thought, yeah, I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to be redoing this. I told my husband who said, you're never going to be happy until you finish this. And he basically nudged you, said, finish it. Yeah. Finish it. And I was like, well, but honey, you have a good job. And, you know, I'll just do a little thing here. And and he said, no. He said, you don't know when I won't have this good job. You need to finish True. it. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. It was the best advice ever. Because when we migrated, when we did the point system to get to Canada, yes. you got more points if you had a master's. Had I not finished my mass. Because you know what? I really did not think I could go through the, a new practicum and the whole. I just thought this is too much. I, I have enough learning. and I was already teaching at UA anyway. Correct. So it, I mean, it really wouldn't have affected necessarily yeah. you yeah. as a professional. Yeah. And he kept thinking, so don't you think you might want to do something else? But my vision was really small. And I was thinking... Well, the U is the best place. I mean, where else would I want to teach? Wow. Migration was never, even, never, really. Tanya, you just, you said my vision was too small. It was small. It really was. My husband has always had a bigger vision, I must say. You know, I'm very grateful because he's always, he's a visionary in the family. He's the one that looks ahead and says, this is going to happen. This looks, Corona looks like it's going to be serious. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I, I think this is just going to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm saying, because mm, risk management is his thing, right? Yeah. So I think risk management has always been, he's really a chartered accountant, but he's always had that foresight. So I guess when he said, I think you need to finish it. So I waited until I had the baby and when I, could finally pull myself out of the, oh, do I really have to stage? And I finished it. And it was anticlimactic because, yeah, okay, so I finished it. Okay, what's next? And I continued teaching at UA. And it didn't make a difference. I don't think it made a difference to my salary. Then. Yes. I don't think you probably were like, oh, I went through all of that. And look, not even that dropping. You know, what was the point? Actually, it was like a $50 difference. It was not a big difference. I kept thinking, really? Once again, more vision. <laughs> you mean, when you say $50, you mean like 50 JMD? 50 dollars no, Or $50 You know, but you're talking about late, I left in 2000, 2001. So you're talking about late 90s. $50 was a little bit. That's a lot well, as it it was, wasn't bad. I mean, the dollar was the dollar was thirty to one or something. Then it was, it was, it was. But I just didn't think it was worth the effort. But I thought, okay, well, at least I have my masters now. And I continued teaching at UWE, and then we started to think about migrating. Yes. And then we said Canada. Because all of my husband's um, family was in the U.S. He's one of nine siblings and nine. seven of them. Nine, yes. Woo! Big family. 
Exactly. I'm like an only child, so those numbers blow. Okay, my yes. Mind. I'm one of two, so yeah, I get that. So um, one, I think only one, one is still in Jamaica. So they were all there, but we didn't really want to go to the States because we had the racism concern. And, correct, correct. But, um, we had some, you know, social unrest and we said, okay, we want to leave. Then we heard about Canada and that you could do, you could do the point system for professionals and teachers and accountants Look. were in demand. Look. So we thought, there you go. He never, never look at your professor and say, Hmm, see, we did tell you. He didn't take the. Oh master. yes, he did. Oh yes, he did. Say, see, it's a good thing he finished the masters. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He <laughs> certainly did. Because oh. shout out, shout out to Mister Hay, right? Is that that the, the Mister Lenny Hay? Hay? Yes, Lenny Hay. Yes, he did. He definitely said, "I told you." Mm-hmm. And let me let me ask, since we're on the topic of like just bigging up and shouting out Mr. Hay, and I'm asking this question as um, a, a female in the West Indies, you know, I'm a, I'm outspoken, I'm a go-getter. And um, I think if you speak to a lot of women like ourselves, it's always extremely difficult to find partners who meet, who are our matches. The ones yeah. who are not intimidated by these big personalities. You have a massive personality, right? But um, it's, it's I didn't know that he keeps t- he keeps telling me that I no, never really thought. No that. man, your personality goes boof baff pow to anybody who comes within you know <laughs> just, just a three mile radius. They're gonna feel your energy, and I'm sure the persons listening can feel it as well. But it's extremely difficult um, sometimes to find men and 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 keep men in relationships that will not look at us as intimidating will not try yes. to dim yes. our light and, and dim down our personalities. Because when you said maybe I wouldn't do the masters, for another man, it would have been okay. Because if we keep you at a level, at a lower level, I'm making the money. If we keep you at a lower level, there is some power dynamics that takes place. And yes. Still, yes. here, you know, you had Lenny who was like, yo, you can be so much bigger. So much bigger, even if- I didn't understand that, yeah. How important was that now that we are speaking and you're probably like, you know, processing and looking back, uh, you know, where, where you are now and what you have achieved, not just individually, but together. How important yeah. was it for someone like you to have a partner like him who was there to walk in front of you, walk beside you, and sometimes walk behind you to push you along? How important yeah. was that? in your redirection journey? Well, you know, I'm really, I, I'm really very grateful and appreciative. I'm really glad that I met him because I do believe he's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Oh, because I think um, I've, not that I didn't have a lot of ambition, but I, I think because I grew up in this um, kind of Pentecostal-ish, fundamentalist um, background where you don't do much. God does everything and you just Correct. hope for the best. Or you have to be ambitious, not, but not overly ambitious, you know. Not overly ambitious and it would happen. Things will just happen and you don't really have to do anything. But Lenny was always, let's do this. We need to do that. 
I appreciate, I really appreciate it. Because when we want, when we were going to migrate, I kept thinking, why? Why would we? I kept thinking, you're the managing director of the this trust company here. Your you're comfort. doing very well. You're comfortable. It's the comfort zone. Good. You know, I have the nanny, the full-time help, helper. It was, I thought, why would I want to give that up? To do my own laundry because believe me <laughs> i've been doing my own laundry for the last 20 years okay <laughs> i was like why would i want to give up driving my beamer and why would i want to give that up you know the other day when i when i started my youtube channel he said aren't you glad that you moved aren't you glad that you got a chance to actualize because i didn't know no i have the ambition <laughs> no i have ambition oh, right <laughs> no that's amazing i was just going along you know whatever you know something things kept happening like when i was at ue i met a woman from vancouver and it didn't seem significant then it was just hey hi jen you know, chat, chat, chat. We'd go out together. Her husband and her and my me and my husband would go and we'd have a grand time. And then when Canada became the thing that we were thinking about, a reality. Yes, 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 yes. I said, you know, let me talk to her and find out. And she, once again, she told me about Vancouver. And when we had planned to visit Vancouver, we I think we had already or we're about to book the ticket. She yeah. said, you know what? My dad is visiting from Vancouver. Why not talk to him and just find out a little bit about Vancouver? And I thought, your father, who lives in Vancouver, mind you, her father was Jamaican. Father Jamaican, mother Canadian. Wow. So she was teaching at U. It was like her, her gap year, really. Yeah. But she ended up living in Jamaica for maybe four years. And that's really how we came to Vancouver also. And it just so happened that her father was her visiting father. from Vancouver? It just so happened that he was visiting from Vancouver. And she said, uh, why don't we all go to dinner? And I was like, sure. When I told my husband, he was like, are you sure? She doesn't, but he doesn't know us. And is that really okay? I said, <laughs> she said so. You know, you don't trust people enough. You don't know if they're just trying to all make right. you feel good. Correct. We make a date and he turns up, she turns up and we have dinner. And at the end of dinner, he says, come stay with us. Why don't you come and spend two weeks with us and see if you like Vancouver? No, yes, I, I no, what yeah. did your husband know? What did Lenny think when he, when he got that invitation? He was like, I think we're going to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to Vancouver. And I'm telling you, so when we made the arrangements and, and the entire time, and I'm still waiting for them to take it back. Cause like, you know, sometimes people say, people say, call me. And when you call them, they don't pick up the phone. All right. Or let's do lunch, man. Let's do lunch, let's do lunch. When, you, when you visit. Let's hook up. Yeah. We've had a few of those. We actually had a few of those who, when, when we said, Hey, we're here. Oh, the answering machine kept answering. <laughs> There's a story there. When we migrated, the person who said, when you're ready to come, call us. I kept calling and calling and calling. Okay, that's, a, that's the next story. We, that's after. Let me talk about this. So at the end of dinner, when he said, you can come, we made the arrangements. And I 
think we emailed or texted or no, it wasn't texting time. So I guess we called and he said, um, we're going to be at dinner the day you come. And immediately I thought, okay. Yeah, yeah my yeah. excuses start already. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then he said, but um, when you come, he gave me the address. He said, when you come, go to the concierge. And I was like, Lady, there's a concierge. <laughs> <laughs> we will leave the key with the concierge. I'm like, he will leave the key with the concierge. I didn't even know what that was, right? Goal. You didn't even know what concierge was. I didn't even know. So when we got there and got the key from the concierge and opened the door and saw that the carpet was like white, I guess beige, I was like, honey, we're in the wrong place because these people don't know us. Why would they do this? to mm. us took my shoes off and didn't want to move because i'd never seen a it was this fancy condo in the middle of downtown vancouver and i'd never seen anything like that before and i didn't even feel worthy of walking on the carpet okay and when we went in there was a note telling us that, that they wouldn't be home before midnight so, so make yourself just, comfortable just make yourself at home so the next morning we saw them and that's when i met his wife because the wife wasn't in jamaica only he, we only met him so you're talking about going to stay with people you've never met before you don't know only thing i knew was, well, it was but that's the universe and i think i end up I'm telling you all of my interviews i keep on telling people that yeah. and it's also energy I, I believe in it wholeheartedly i think when yeah. you live good with people and you you, you yes. sometimes develop relationships with people that you don't even know of just by being polite and being a source of you know just good energy people vibe off of that and they're the ones who show up mm -hmm. of nowhere and be like hey I have this job that I think you'd be perfect for or come stay with me for two weeks. And you're like, but well, when did we get to this point? But you didn't realize that the universe was just there rooting. I did. Rooting for you. I did not know. Did not know. So we went and stayed with them and they drove us around for two weeks, showing us different colleges because they knew I was teaching. Okay, maybe you want to teach here. Maybe not there. And they carted us around for two weeks. And it, and it felt unreal for the two weeks because who does this? You don't know these people, yeah, right? Who does this? Who does this? Who does this? Ron and Carol Wong. Carol died two years ago. Oh, so and Ron, sorry. I spoke to Ron about maybe up to two weeks ago. Ron is a go-getter, a real go-getter. He's Jamaican, but he left Jamaica maybe 50 or so. Yeah, yeah. No, more than 50. But he's 80 something and he came to study. He did medicine here oh, wow. and he is in touch with Jamaica though. Um, he's always there helping doing different charity stuff. Right. But but what's interesting what is that do? he's yet another anchor in your in your life. Yes. He was yet yes. another person who yes. who basically and I tell people all the time, people show up. People show up for seasons. Yeah. Some people are not meant to be your friends yes. forever. Some aren't, yes. Yeah, some people show up at a particular point in time yeah. because they're there to push you in the right direction. So you might have thought of Vancouver, but you might have been looking at other options. And yet exactly. he becomes exactly. a player in this game yeah. to say yeah. Yeah. Vancouver needs to be it. Yeah. So you, you get your points and you, you're successful. We're successful and we get landed, but we get landed in Toronto mm -hmm. because we also wanted to see what Toronto was like. Gotcha. 
for that cold and that their eyes that we experienced in April. <laughs> I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, definitely Vancouver. Because when we went to Vancouver, it was raining, it was chilly. Yes. But it wasn't Toronto. So we said, nice to meet you, Toronto, but no, thank you. So we, so we visited Vancouver a second time, just to be sure. And it really was mild weather. It was, right. and you know what? The two times we came, it really wasn't the coldest. And we thought, oh, we can do, we we can can do this. This is, this is pretty good. And on the second visit, we met a couple. And that couple was our age group and they were nice and they introduced us to people and they said, yes, when you're ready to come, come, come. And when we were ready to come, we called and we called and we called. You were ghosted. And we already had shipped our things or we had our things packed. Yes. So so even though we got through, we went to Tortola. We went to the British Virgin Islands for one year Mm -hmm. because my husband was managing a merchant bank there. Mm -hmm. And we spent a year. And at the end of the year, when we packed our stuff, to send it to Vancouver, I kept calling this hip couple because we needed their address because we needed an address to send the stuff. We called and we called and we called and we called and there was no answer. I called Ron because who else could I call? I said, here's the situation. Before I finish, he just said, you need the address? I said, yes, and we need somewhere to stay when we get there. He said, we're going to be at our summer cabin, but you guys can come and spend as long as you want. Look at God. Listen, when Jesus, said, when Jesus says yes, nobody, nobody can say no. And what is for you cannot be unavailable. Right. So even if people want to make themselves unavailable and inaccessible, exactly. and they don't want to exactly. help you, trust that exactly. there is always somebody else who will say, come. Yeah. Let me help. Yeah. And he, he just said, we're not going to be there, but you guys. We leave the queue um, the concierge. We leave the queue the concierge again. <laughs> and we were there for about two weeks because my husband especially is very independent. He was like, we're migrating, but we're not going to be a drain on anyone. Yes. And we spent weeks. He rented a car. We drove around. And the first place we saw, he said, that looks like Stony Hill. That reminds me of Stone Hill. Let's, Let's go here. there. Let's live here. And that's how we ended up in what they call North Van. And by the time Ron came, Ron came back. So because he knew we were there, he came down one weekend just to make sure we were okay. Good guy. Like, yeah, awesome we guy. are. Awesome. Uh, Professor Tanya, make sure when I say I come in Vancouver, you know, when I call you, you know. Um, Listen, you see, um, if you don't answer your we phone. Don't do that. We don't do that. If you don't answer your phone. We don't do that. Don't I've had many acquaintances come and everybody knows by now because it's always on Facebook. They're like, I see your husband likes to do, um, likes to do, be a t- tour guy. So Lenny appreciates people coming and just let us know when you're coming, even if you're not staying with us. Mm-hmm. And Lenny will take a day off. Just 
he likes that. So he'll drive people around and show them. Therefore, some... you know, so you know that it's no surprise now why you attract that kind of energy and why you would meet the yes. runs of this world. Yes, I guess. I never of... thought of that, but yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are literally saying that what Ron did for you, Lenny yes. would do for others. Oh, yes. Oh, it's yes. Only, it's only obvious. So the question I have for you now is that here it is, you get to, to you know, North Van. And like everything, you know, you have to, to get accustomed. You have to adjust. You have to adapt. Yeah, you know, you're accustomed to Jamaica. Yeah, you're a lecturer at UA. But no, yeah, they are rough. foreign. Big rough. foreign. Rough. New system, new rough. Talk to me. Talk to me. Because okay. sometimes people feel migration is an easy thing and they think people well, just you know go what? foreign and start making money. You know what? I don't know. We spent a week and a half, I think, with the friends, some friends in Toronto. And mm -hmm. they painted a really rosy picture of mm -hmm. migration. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I just did this video two weeks ago about self-doubt. Because when I came here, the first weekend or the second weekend, I sat at my computer and sent out 200 resumes. Wow. And you got a job instantly. 200 resumes, right? Four responses. Four, hold on. 200 and this is resumes you, and, and this is, four And this responses. is you you as an experienced, mm -hmm. um, years mm -hmm. under your belt, mm -hmm. masters. Mm -hmm. So you have the qualification mm -hmm. and the experience. Mm -hmm. Four. Three to say, no, thank you, but thank you for applying. And one to say... Sure, we'll do an interview, but I have to tell you about that interview because guess what? Once again, and believe me, it's only talking that I'm even, it's when I, at the end of the interview, the woman says to me, I'm still in love with my Jamaican boyfriend. Jesus, please. She said, I chose your resume when I realized you were from Jamaica. I'm still in love with my Jamaican boyfriend. You know, Prof, that could have gone really well or really badly, you know, because she was still in love with him and he was like, Exactly. That could have gone very badly. Okay. Now, 200 resumes, four responses, one interview, and the one interview is a job offer. But it's not yet in the big college system. It's right. in what we would call... Um, it's just a post-secondary institution mm. where I was teaching English to foreign students who wanted to get into the Canadian system. So they were mainly from Japan and China. What's a good is, job? But this is where your experience at UWE came in handy because remember, you were teaching okay. the basic English. Okay. Don't worry, I be connecting okay. the dots, girl. Okay. I be connecting okay. these dots. Yes, yes, So yes. when you were at UWE, the job that you got was for that basic English okay. to prepare okay. students okay. now to strengthen yes. their English. Yes. And here it is. You got the yes. parallel. Yes, 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 yes. Talk to me, no man. Yes. And in addition to that, though, before I left, my very, the said friend who's Ron's daughter said to me, it might be a good idea to do an ESL online course before you go, because that will get you a job easily. What's an ESL? 
English as a second language. Ah. And at UWE, we were basically teaching as if English was a, we're teaching English as a second dialect, really. Uh, because as we all know, Pato is- Pato is correct. Yes. So that experience, and while I was there also, my, my very, Carolyn Dash had arranged for me to teach. We had a few Haitian students then yes. who were doing the, the fundamentals course, but they also had a language, an English language barrier problem. And she gave me those students. So I got a little bit, it was about four students, but I got some experience. Mm-hmm. Plus I did the diploma online. And it turned out that I did at a place that I ended up teaching for a short while also, but Vancouver Community College, but I did it through them. So that coupled with, I'm still in love with my Jamaican boyfriend, got me that first job. Wow. And how about the transition mentally of I deserve to be here I am worthy with, you know, with so many people who didn't even bother to respond and the other three that told me no. Well, you know what? Um, as I said in the video, it did whittle away my confidence a little bit because I thought, I didn't realize it was going to be hard because mm-hmm. nobody talks about how hard it is. Yes. Nobody talks about how lonely it feels when all you have is a computer and you're in a silent room and you're just sending out these resumes and you're not getting responses. And I thought, oh, they're just gonna love me. They're just gonna grab me up. No, they did not. And it was hard because on top of that, no, you have to do your laundry and you have to do all the things that, you know, that you haven't done for years since chores as a teenager. So um, I quickly, incentivize my sons and I said well if you can do your I had a watch them, said, if you can do I told the older one that if he could so the older one then was eight mm-hmm. they were like four and nine so I said, yes. if you can do your laundry and his laundry you get two dollars two bucks rich <laughs> rich <laughs> yeah teamwork makes a dream work he was happy to get that. Teamwork makes a dream work. It's funny. I, I was interviewing Paul Brunson, uh, one of my favorite people in the world. And Paul Brunson said to me, let me tell you something. You work on your strengths. You focus on your strengths. He said anything that is mediocre or, or your weaknesses, he says, delegate. Give yes. it to other people. Outsource. Yes. Pay for that. Yeah. And he said, let them handle it while you can focus mm-hmm. on the things that you are born to do. And since he said that, I am of that very same mentality. Anything that I can do, make somebody else do it for sure. So in the house, my strength is cooking. I am, and I I don't want to boast, but honey, (laughs) seriously, don't I'm an excellent cook? (laughs) He's laughing. Yes, I'm really, so that's my strength. When it comes to, give me, Give me anything. I'm really so that was easy. That was all. That was something I wouldn't have ever given up. And um, we've been married for 31 years. This Ooh. 31, and I've never not cooked. I mean, weekends we'll eat out, wow. but always, even when we had help or nanny and all, I've always. Listen, so that's that's my strength. Better you than me, you know. Lenny would I eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> tell him fool. <laughs> but the laundry thing and the Mm. No, that was just not me. It was so let just... me guess, you don't like ironing. Let me guess, you don't like press clothes. I have not ironed. 
No, sir, everything, I take it out of the, somebody told me very early, take it out of the dryer when it's hot, it's hang it perfect. Up, and you're good. I have not, I don't think I've ever had to iron. And we have an iron and- Have you ever plugged my husband? No, 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 definitely. I have done that. But hubby always went to the cleaners because the cleaners, it's, it was cheap enough to do right. shirts and he always white shirts, tie. And so he always gave his, oh, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't. That's hilarious. Plus, it was cheaper and easier to give it out than, Tell you, you no. gotta be smart, get the work done same way. So yeah. here See, delegating, are, right? Delegating. Yeah. So here it yeah. is, you yeah. are, you, you know, you're getting this job and I, I'm assuming, cause you, you spoke about it. You start to move up to different, um, different, different um, maybe institutions. What is the biggest or some of the biggest lessons you learned in terms of transitioning from home and comfort zone to this newness, this new place? What are some of your biggest lessons? I guess the first thing I had to realize was that North American students mm -hmm. are different from Caribbean students. So one of the first things I had to learn was that even though you, even though some people call you professor, mm -hmm. most don't call you professor. Most call me Tanya. Yeah. So the first time that happened, I was in a culture. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Formality oh, versus that. casual. Mm -hmm. They're very casual. Yes. It's a much casual, much more casual setting. And students challenge their grades. No, I don't see. Well, I well, English is my first language. I don't know if it's yours. So I don't know how you could be telling me a comma should be there or a question mark because I English is my first language. So initially I had constant tugs. Yes. And now I understand why it is that they say you need Canadian experience or North American experience. So it took me seven years to actually get a full-time tenure job. And I learned a lot, seven years. Now, during the seven years, I had a friend who once, okay, I went for a job interview. I got the job. And two days before starting, they called me to say, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. What do you mean? Hold on, what do you mean? You I went said, for the interview? You did the interview? I did the interview. So how did they make a mistake? And when I asked for clarification, she explained that the person before who had the job came back for the job. I said, but you already offered me. And you know what, Terry Carell, I was so trusting in those days that when they said to me, on the first day you can sign your contract because I did the interview face-to-face. -face. I went home, they called me and they said, when you come in on the first day, you can sign the contract. That you didn't have any um, assurance. Okay, okay. It was one of the first lessons that I learned and it hurt. My husband would tell us I cried and I cried and I cried. I said, how can people be like this? And I called Carolyn Dash in Jamaica. I said, Carolyn, I think I need to come back. Is there a job I can get in September? She said, oh, yeah. You I think. Like, this is not working out. I thought this was not working because this was after trying, you know. So this was, I don't know, this was still early in the journey. But after the 200 resumes and the constant up and down. Oh, and, and the rejections. And the rejections. And I thought, who does that? Who 
and I had already resigned from the job I was at. Wow. And I thought, what am I going to do at this point? And I remember I called my parents and I told them, and this was one time my father prayed with me and all he had was tears, mm. tears, tears. I needed the comfort of my parents telling me it's going to work out. My father, who was saying, why are you going to white man country now, sir? Nobody with that. He said, Tani, it's going to work out. I said, that is not going to work out. These people, them hard. You don't. He said, Tani, it's going to work out. And he prayed with me. And I thought, okay, I'll try again. I'll try, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. And I didn't get the job. I went back to the old people, the, 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 the current employer, and I said, um, I made a mistake. And they said, yes, stay. And I was like, okay, I'll stay. So I was very happy that they told me. But that job was is a big university, and that was my foot in the door. You know, it turned out it was a good thing I didn't take that job because apparently the way she treated me was what they do with everybody. Oh, you're you not valued. Away. And once they think you get too ingrained, they find a way to kick you out anyway because they it's a cheaper way to go. And rather than just being upfront with people, I guess if you're upfront and tell people, I only want you for two semesters, nobody's going to take that job. So they All take right. you on. So I was very happy in the end. And, not that is why, and that is why I'm sure if anyone had told you in the moment where you were breaking down and crying, oh. Nothing and falling, yes. Yeah, it would have been hard for you to still hear that and be like, yeah, maybe it happened for a reason. You know, we always say that. Everything yeah. happens for a reason. And sometimes uh, when you're in your issue uh, and your challenges, you don't want to hear that. Me don't want to hear everything happened for a reason. Why it have to happen to me? But then no. I had no idea. I had no you, idea. But when you speak about it now, you realize that, yo, yeah. it happened. You had to have been boofed and rejected yes. and been yes. told, we yes. made a mistake. Yeah. We made a mistake. I thought, you made a mistake? What kind of mistake is that? That's terrible. So I had done another interview at another big school. I had not gotten that job, but they had told me, good job, you know, we like this, blah, 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 blah. But you need more experience. After that happened, I called them just because I was calling everybody because I was desperate at this point. And I said to the guy, um, I did an interview. Yeah, yeah, we remember you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, is there anything opening up? Because I don't think we do this in Jamaica because we have- We don't follow our pride. We follow we pride. pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've learned here that I can't bother with the pride thing because I needed a job, right? And I said to him, um, this is the situation. And he said, I'm about to retire and I, I, and I want to do a good deed. Wow. I'm going to pass your resume on. No, sir. No, sir. No, One second. No, sir. No, sir. Whatever you, you know have, what? you buckle it and sell it. You know, you have a market for whatever. What can I tell you, though, it's only since I've started the YouTube channel that I've had, and I've kind of sat down and written down a few stories. And I thought, this is really something to talk about. This I just did that one about two weeks level. ago. This is fairy tale level. This is. is yes. Because when he said that, you know, I was like, really? You said, I feel I could do, I need to do a good deed. And you were really good, but you just didn't have enough Canadian experience yet. So once again, I'm not trusting because he says he's going to pass my resume. But your on. experience and has not been like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a week passes and nobody calls. Two week pass, no one calls. Three week pass. And I think, okay, that's it. And then one day 
somebody in another department really calls and he says, I hear I don't have to interview you because you did, I did it, a good interview. Can you start next week? And I'm like, I've never taught here. I don't know what the book, I'm like, of course I can. <laughs> of course I can. I just need a textbook. So I said to him, I just need the textbook. And he said, come get the textbook. You're on next week. And that's how I started in the big schools. Are you going to write a book? Are you going to write your book? No, because that, no, but I, I, that's what, I guess I've also decided I'm going to really use my YouTube channel to talk about stuff. Yeah, and, like and, what's, and what's the name of your YouTube channel while people are listening? What is the name? Professor Tanya Speaks. Professor Tanya Speaks. So let me ask you this now. You get in, boy, I get goosebumps because I'm listening going, me, I want this kind of good juju. Me want this good juju. That's all I say to myself. And it, you know what, though? It never felt like that along the way. It just... It's retrospective. I mean, no, looking back, you know? it. But, but you're talking about over... I'm talking about over 30 years. So I guess it didn't... You know, the things don't happen daily. They don't happen yearly either, you know? And, and, they happen. and it's important for, for, the, for the listeners, I was going to say viewers, it's important for the listeners to also know that a lot of, you know, manifestations don't happen overnight. That's not how it works. Exactly. We like it to doesn't. that these things just, oh, I feel it, I want it. And you know, no. <laughs> it's just going to grow. Like it doesn't happen. A lot of the times it is you making mistakes, getting doors yeah. locked in your face, you know, meeting a good person over here or somebody witnessing your work ethics in some other space and then yeah. opens up a door in another space. And that happens over a lifetime and you have yes. to be patient and you have to be discerning. So, you know, I have to ask yeah. this because now you're walking into a big university, a big foreign. Did imposter syndrome ever um, plague you or were you like, finally, I've arrived and now I get to show these people what I can do? Like, what was what was your... No. I, uh, I don't know about imposter syndrome, but... At first, I remember walking that same school when I was walking in the first, I remember thinking, pinch, pinch me, pinch me. Because I used to always look on their different websites and I always thought I want to teach there. I know if I got those textbooks, I could teach it because they're all related to English and I can do that. Um, I'm not sure about the imposter syndrome. I think I was just tired at this point. You know, I was just really You're over it. I was just like, when is this ever? So even though I got that job, you know, I knew it was a contract job. So I used to teach, and it was nights, two nights, because nobody's putting it in the day. You start off in the night. And two nights a week from 6.30 to 9.30, I missed dinner with my family. And I used to really, I was glad to get the job. The money, of course, was much better than the other schools, but I kept thinking, so I go, oh, I have to be doing night school. <laughs> so, so, and I did night school for many years. I did. Wow. I don't remember how long, but I, do, I was doing that for quite a while. And then, so that opened up many schools and I was teaching at five different universities and colleges for seven years. What do you mean? Monday morning, That's one place. Contract job. So one Monday morning at one university, Monday evening at another place. Tuesday morning at a college, Tuesday evening. And this went on for seven years. I was tired by 
and you're a seven. I was just going to ask you, how did you manage to keep motivated? I know a lot of my listeners might be saying, you know, we're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not just looking for the light. We actually want to get to the end of the tunnel. You know, people always talk about that light. I'm like, yeah, missing the light. But at some point in time, I won't get to the end of the tunnel. How did you? I will tell you that many times during that time, my husband and I thought about coming back. Oh, wow. He even wants to interview at one of the big banks down there. We were thinking of coming back. because, And every time we came this near, something else happened that made us think, okay, well, maybe this could work out. Yes. Our kids now were getting older and they were getting accustomed to the system and we didn't want to move them. And... You know, things were slowly working out. Mm-hmm. And then I had a family, right? So I kind of developed this mentality that said, if you give me the work, I'm taking it. I'm never oh. going to say no, even if I'm half dead. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, because I didn't know which one would eventually work out. So I knew one would eventually work out, you know. Just didn't know which one. And I came at a time when baby boomers were not retiring. So I knew it was just a matter of time. So even though I was tired, I kept thinking. And then one day a friend of mine, a Canadian friend said to me, you don't have to do this. I'll take, take you to one of my headhunters. Um, you, can get, you can do anything. You can be a communications director. Why are, you, why are you doing this to yourself? And I'll never forget, I said to her, no, I think I was born to teach. And when I said it, I thought I really was born to teach. So I decided that I was only going to do that. But stick up and in, then but stick up in before mm-hmm. you say, and then what's interesting is that that person who was talking about the headhunters suggested to you communications director, which way back in the day you wanted to be the public relations director. Exactly. And you were able yes. to look at that yes. and go, that's not where I am yes. anymore. That's not where I want to be anymore. Yeah, I said, that is not not me. And I did a few gigs where I did a bit of training. And I think when I started the YouTube channel, I finally said, that's it. I don't want to ever do that because that's not. That's not. It was was so uncomfortable. I did it, but I was very, very uncomfortable. I thought, this is not what I... So then what... So what is the... And then... Was I about to say I had a I did have an and then and then when you said you were born to teach this is what you are made to do and then you said and okay then. and then and then so more than anything else I wanted a full-time secure job I wanted a job one job not five jobs and then I went for an interview and it, they wanted someone who had online teaching experience. You're talking about 14 years ago, right? Yes. I had done a certificate in online teaching. So they thought I was perfect because I understood online teaching. And the more, and I do good enough interviews, I guess, yes. they were convinced that I was perfect, but it did not involve teaching. It involved setting up at a universe, but setting up their online system and doing a lot of admin work. So I would be supervising teachers and I would be, and I, I smiled and I said, yes. And they were, so it was more of, it was, it felt more corporate than yes. academic. And I was supposed to meet with the big shots and, 
I couldn't sleep at night. So when it, so, so like for one week, I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking, the only thing attractive about this job is that it was one job. Yes. And I wouldn't be running around anymore and I would get benefits and it was a secure job. But I kept feeling like I was choking and I couldn't sleep because it wasn't me. It wasn't you. Mm-mm. And then, and then my mother died. Oh my. 15 years ago. And when she died, and I remembered how many of her dreams were unfulfilled, I thought, I'm not going to do this. So I just, I had accepted it, but then I just wrote them and explained, my mother just died, I'm grieving, I'm not going to be able to do this, I didn't want anything new right now. And I had a good enough, I packaged it well. Right. And I thought, this is, this is, I can't do this. And I still continued with the contract work for a while because I knew in my heart that it was coming. not. Your break was coming. It was, I think it was coming. And you know how it came, Terry Carroll? No, no, don't what? worry. I'm not going to be surprised oh. if you tell me, say, you walk down the road, bust your toe, bust, you know, to somebody who gave you a job. <laughs> there was nothing significant. So I was teaching at different schools. And this one particular school, the one where I am now, yes. one day the head of department just said, oh, guess what? Four people are retiring. So we have four positions open. One is yours. That was it. That was really it. Not that you're not interviewing for it. It's just one is yours. This was a system, though, where every time you do a course, you get equivalent of points. I call it FTEs. So I had gotten two. And I think you, I had gone over two. And once you get two, because it's a unionized thing, you have to get, you're up for the job. Even if, even if they like other people more than you. (laughs) So four of us came in at the same time. She said, oh, four people are retiring. So guess what? You're going to be permanent in in September. This is permanent, not contract, one job. You work in the One day, job. people can see in the day and at night, like you're all. <laughs> yeah. I still do one night work because you have to choose a schedule that you like. So you either get long day. So I have one night I've always done. So now I've chosen. It's yes. not that I have to do it now. I could either do four days twice the setup was either four days or three with one long day. And I chose the three with the one. It's a full-time job, but Monday and Fridays are my prep days. So I don't go in those days unless there's a meeting. Right. But it was a really sweet setup. And the only way to get the three days was to take a night. So I said, okay, I'll take a night. So I've always taught on Wednesday nights. Well, online, no more. But, but it was one job. And there was no... And I think I had stopped. I was just tired and just working and hoping that it would happen one day. And I was watching them every year and thinking, it's about time you retire now. Aren't you retiring now? And I would casually chat to them and say, so, and it didn't look like they were going anywhere soon. <laughs> and then you no longer had mandatory retirement. So I was like, oh my God, when are they going to go? And one day, one of them just walked in and I said in a, the month before, like August, and he said, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. So I started out in the ESL department and then communication. This guy just one day 
in an August said, I can't do this anymore. And I just slipped right in and got his position. Just like that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you speak and, you know, it's, it's just so funny because looking at what your achievements would have been at home before you migrated. Um, and as you rightfully say, you know, everyone thinks that when you get your qualification, you have your experience and you have all of this behind your name, you automatically think that there's some rites of passage. But then you realize that the world doesn't work that way in the no. ideal world. Sure. But the real world does not work that way. And. You know, you mentioned it, it's pride. A lot of the reasons why a lot of us here at home don't get as far as because we don't believe in doing updates. You know, why yes. did you reject me? Or yeah. I'm, I'm following up. You rejected me last month, but I'm calling to find out if yeah. there's a new position or yeah. is there a new position in a different department because we're afraid that people will judge us and we look desperate. And so what if you're desperate? And I forgot to tell you, you know, that the guy that I called who was retiring, that was my second time calling. The first time I called was to get feedback, to say, why didn't I get the job? So I heard I didn't get the job. I cried for about a week. And then mm. I called back and I said, let me see what I didn't do. And that was when he had told me. Yeah. So when I called back, I guess even it was months later, he did remember me. He said, you did an excellent job. I think by now you have a little bit more Canadian experience and we don't have a position, but I am retiring and I think I'll pass you on to somebody else. Professor, so I've learned. Do that. We don't do that here. Yes. We either, we take things personally. Um, we don't, you know, we don't want nobody to say nothing to it. Um, yes. We just don't know how to put aside ego. Yeah. And and sometimes, you know, looking desperate, I know it may sound bad, but sometimes, you know, it's a person who is desperate and hungry enough yeah. to go yeah. the extra mile that gets the job or gets the promotion or gets the, the thing, yeah. the scholarship. And it's because they put aside their pride and their ego. And I'm listening to you as an experienced woman, a highly educated woman working five different jobs in the day, you know, you're moving your schedule, you're working at night, you're not seeing your family at a time where you're accustomed to sitting down on a table and yet still you are able to put aside ego and say, listen, this is going to be temporary. This will not be my life forever. You know, I taught, uh, I taught a student once who was a manager like at McDonald's or one of those stores. Mm -hmm. And he told me, that whenever he gets an application, if the applicant doesn't call to inquire, he doesn't consider that person because he says they don't want the job. And I told my sons that when they were, when they started out at McDonald's also, I said, when you send that resume in, you call because you want that pocket money and I, I, ain't, I don't have it. You need pocket money. <laughs> you need to work at McDonald's. Yeah, but it and, also, and it also shows initiative. It shows that one, you, you are you are interested. Number two, you are yeah. hungry enough. And number three, you take yeah. initiative. You're not waiting for something to fall, but you are being proactive. And I think those are things that we don't always learn about in school. We don't, we don't learn those soft skills. In we school. don't learn the soft skills. And we don't learn also that even when things don't work out or they don't seem to work out, because I'm telling you, Terry Carell, I never took a bus when I lived in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I never once took a bus. Mm -hmm. When I came here and I got the, one of my first good jobs, the one, well, the one that I'm at now, yes. to get to work, and I wasn't driving. We had one little beat-up car that my husband had to, 
take want to daycare, want to um, ele elementary school, drive himself to work, and I had to take the bus. Hmm. Getting to work involved taking the bus, then taking a sea bus, hmm. then taking the sky train, then taking another bus, and then walking up a hill. I just, and I would be teary eyed and saying, God, there has to be something better coming up. Because I was getting decent money, but just to get there, two hours. And then when I was on the sky train, nobody would sit beside the black woman with the crazy hair. So I had all the space and I would do my yeah. marketing. I think, okay, well, thank you. I have space to do my marketing anyway. It didn't feel great though, because I thought, you come in a crowded bus and there's a crowded sea bus, no, sky train. And there's one seat available. And you, and you do Everybody prefers to stand. That's okay. Well, Ignorance. more space for me. Didn't, it, it did hurt, but I thought, really? Okay. So you put, a bit, so there's a bit of that also, you know, you, it, you don't get ideal. I mean, no, that you're established and you can choose and jump in your car and, you know, but, it, you know, there's a lot of, I got a few corns in the process because I didn't know I could, because I was so Jamaican, I would wear my shoes and I didn't know I could put on my sneakers until I got to work and then put on the shoes. Right. I remember one day walking and limping and thinking, no, there's going to be a better way moving up my heel back and now so this can't work. And then I learned about wearing sneakers. No, you can't get me out of sneakers because I'm thinking, I'm always going to be comfortable. I don't care about fashion. So somebody tells me that whenever I'm in Jamaica, that's why everybody knows I'm not living in Jamaica. Because you know Jamaicans know when you're not living in Jamaica, yes, right? Yeah. Somebody said, I was trying to figure it out, and somebody said, hey, could it be the sneakers? <laughs> I said, maybe it's the sneakers. Yeah, you know, no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. Sandals, right? I said, maybe it's the sneakers. <laughs> No, but it's just amazing how you 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 put it very you put it you put it perfectly that things that maybe you're not accustomed to doing you realize that you have to do, and things to. that maybe you were accustomed to doing you realize you have to unlearn. You have yeah. to unlearn, learn, and relearn, and that's a part of the journey. And if you're not willing to do that, then you'll be stuck yeah. and miserable forever. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I could speak to you all day because I think you're just full of energy, and I think you have so many. Um, nuggets, you know, um, just, 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 just journeys. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of persons are going to go hit you up on your YouTube, um, your YouTube page, uh, Professor Tanya Speaks, right? Um, the, the last question I ask all my guests is, you know, what is redirection to you? What does it mean to you in your own words? I guess what it means is that we don't have to be overly concerned when life isn't working out the way we expect it to or we want it to because I think there's a path for everyone mm -hmm. and I think if something isn't working out it means there's somewhere else another direction that you need to take and I think we can trust that it will work out because it really always does. So in terms of redirection, it just means we're being directed to where we are supposed to be anyway. We just may not have been aware of that. 
So I, I think, I don't know if I'm answering the question. No, no, absolutely. It, I it, think that's what it means. Whatever it is for you, you know, yes. it is for whatever it is for you, because I'm sure when you got into Natsai, there's no one in a million years who would have told you you would have moved to, to Vancouver and no. teaching, no. you know, in a particular yeah. universe, a big university and establish, you probably would have been like, what, just get, 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 get from, get from on me and stop, you know, taking me for a fool. I never um, ever even had the desire to, to um, study abroad. There you go. I never even had that desire to study abroad because Look here now, you know, when you live in Jamaica, I mean, life can be so good, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of redirection. And I think that uh, is why I was inspired to even have this podcast, because a lot of the times we look at events in our lives and they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm worthless. I'm a loser. I'll never come back from this. And you realize, yo, those are just little ways to tell you maybe that's not for you. Maybe that's not the right person for you as a partner. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the right job for you. And it it hurts like hell at first. It does. But then when you're having a conversation and you look back, oh, I missed a bullet. Yeah. And I'm learning that there is no failure. There is feedback. So I heard somewhere and it, it stuck with me. So even the thing that you think you failed at, it, there are so many lessons that you learn and you get that feedback and it helps you. So what I try to do now, like I had a student that really upset me last semester mm-hmm. and I thought, really? And I thought, did I fail to do what I should have done? Why he could have been so, and I remember, you know what? That's good feedback. I won't ever do that again. Yes. And I'm a lot more cautious the next time. Right. So whenever things don't work out, so I'm trying to in the moment. And I've gotten more aware since I've been doing the YouTube videos where I'm thinking, yes. you know, this isn't what I, I thought it would be, but there's a lesson here. Let me stop beating myself up and let me stop thinking, oh, you know, you know, come down hard on yourself. Oh, why did I do this? How can you, you know, sometimes you tell yourself how stupid you are and you yeah. are mean to yourself. Yes. So I'm learning. You know what? It's not what I should. Yeah, I could. I should have. I could have done better. I could. I'm learning now. I won't do that again. Right. Let me tweak here. Let me rework that. Yes. Let me repurpose yes. that. No, absolutely. Yes. And for those repurpose. persons who are listening and would like to connect with you, uh, well, we know about um, Professor Tanya Speaks on YouTube. Where else can we find you? Are you active on social media? I wouldn't say active, but I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I try. So on Instagram, I'm also Professor. Look at you. Look at you, Um, Professor underscore Tanya underscore speaks. It's still Professor Tanya speaks. And I'm not going to lie. I'm supposed to be on Twitter and it's a part of the name. I know it's like Prof Tan or I I couldn't find you. Don't worry about it. We will definitely (laughs) find you. Um, it has just been a treat. Um, it's been a treat to connect with you, um, Jamaicans in the diaspora who are still very much a part of our society, you know, and I think you have so many lessons, especially the considering that we have a lot of Jamaicans here who are youngsters who might be wanting to, to, to uh, study and you have some adults who want to go and live. And I think your stories are important. It's not just about us locally, but um, we have so much to learn from those of you who've gone ahead and have experienced um, before us. And I just want to thank you 
so very much for your patience. I know, I mean, I've been all over the place between work and the holidays. And I was like, I cannot make 2021 come and I not. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy to have had this conversation um, with you. And I thank Stacey and Hales again, if you're listening. Thank you, Stacey. Stacey. Thank you for the hookup. Well, yes. Yeah, man. Thanks. A shout out to some of my friends. Sure. This is greetings from across really, the world. <laughs> some very supportive friends who share my videos and Go right I'm ahead. really glad to have them in my life. Go right ahead. Um, Andrea Carr, Joey Allison, Sanji Scott. I did write a few names down. Oh, Donna Millings. I started a blog, which I, that's what um, Stacey did for me. Donna was one of the first people who said to me, Tanya, keep going. Because, you know, sometimes some people see more in you or you feel that you don't have, you can't really put the energy in. So I really appreciate um, those friends, Elaine Cunningham, Grace Jarvis. I really appreciated them. And of course, my husband. Lenny! Lenny is wonderful. Really a nice guy. Really. Oh, thank you. And please give him my love. Give him my I love. Will. Um, I because we watch you. We we had um one spot media. We don't have it anymore. Yes. That's how we discovered this Terry Carroll. And I was like, oh my God, I love her. Oh. She has energy. I love her. Yeah. So we would watch. It's Magnum. It's um, Digital Stars. Rise, right. We used to watch it. And I was just always amazed at how you just always had an answer. No matter what they said, you always came back. It's like, oh my God, she has excellent people skills. She's really, <laughs> really good. It's like, teach that kind of thing. So when I see it, I'm like, oh my God, look at her. She And she looks good on top of everything, oh, you know? You. So it was really, and like Small I said, world. I thought, yeah, it was your last name, but whatever, right? <laughs> but I was really, really, it, it's such a pleasure to have spoken to you, to have met you. You're no. you're just as beautiful as you are on, Thank you know, on TV. You. Or no, it means a lot. And it means it means a lot when we can connect across yes. borders and boundaries. So it's I mean, weird that we're just meeting and it feels like, we, That is how good, good Jamaicans stay. The yes. Goodas, the goodest goodas in the entire world. Goodas, yes. That is how we are. And I tell you, good spirit and good energy yes. and good vibe. We know each other. We, we, will, we can spot each other. Yes across yes. a room and across the world. And yes. so I just want to say thank you. I know the new year is coming up. Um, I want to wish you all the best. May your, your territory just continue to grow. Um, and may you prosper abundantly, you know, between you and Lenny and the kids. Uh, we just, we're just sending you our love all the way from Jamaica. Thank you. So, I'm happy to have all of that love. And oh, no. Spirit. For sure. For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And of course, to the listeners, thank you so very much. I mean, I know this has been um, an amazing year. And yeah, I know 2020 has been kind of crazy, but we declare that it has been amazing because there are many things that we would have learned and a lot of things that we are going to now take into 2021 to make us even better and stronger in how we think and how we act and what we say. And so I just want to tell you, thank you very much for always being supportive and for listening. And of course, I would love to to have your feedback, you know, continue to rate us, continue to review, and of course, continue to use the hashtag uh, redirection with TK. So I will see you guys or speak to you guys next week. Take care and happy new year when it comes. Take care. (laughs)